In episode 98, we're joined by professional walleye angler Tom Wynn, live on location at the Fargo Shields Fish Fest that was held on May 6th. What's really cool about this segment was the opportunity to bring in guests that were at the event and have them join us. We had a lot of fun with this one, so hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and we are live on location right now at the Fargo Shields Fish Fest. And with me is professional walleye angler, Tom Wynn. Tom, thank you for joining us today. No problem. I'm glad you're having me here and, you know, beautiful day to be out and uh, hopefully this weather holds out so some of this ice gets off before opener. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been, it's been a crazy spring with the weather, you know, like I've been, I've been itching to get out in the boat and, you know, do some turkey hunting and stuff and it's just been, just been held back. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm looking forward to getting, getting out too. I've had some tournaments already this season, but I'm just looking to get out on a lake um, and get my boat and electronics dialed in finally. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we got a, we got ourselves a pretty good day today. I was a little bit worried about this though, cause like we're sitting outside doing this podcast and I got all our podcast equipment out here. So if we were met with a thunderstorm, that probably would have been a bad deal. I think we'd have had to head into the store or something. Yeah, we could have ran in there and got some Shields rain gear or something. Oh yeah, fun. there yeah. we go. <laughs> Toss some rain gear yeah. over my podcast deck <laughs> yeah. and everything. nice so tom you know you've had a very interesting way of getting into walleye tournament fishing can you just kind of dive into you know where you're from and and basically how it all started yeah i can i mean um originally i'm from arkansas so i mean i grew up fishing on uh small farm ponds down there on my mom and my uh grandpa's cattle farm and it, I always I, I would fish as much as I could. I mean, I would get out there on the pond banks and uh, just fish for catfish, bluegills, bass, whatever I, whatever I could. But no boat. Never had a boat. And so, um, came up here uh, for college. Finished that. Started into the uh, fingernail industry. Have polished nail spa uh, here in Fargo, and we've been in business now for about 20 years um, here in Fargo. And I worked for like 15, 16 years. I'm like, you know what, I. I want to get a boat so i bought my first boat um here here in town and never been in one before that like literally never been in a boat <laughs> and that's wild <laughs> and so i uh, took it out to an area lake and uh, i had to youtube it to see how to launch it and i still did it wrong trust me <laughs> i i i <laughs> almost lost my boat <laughs> but yeah. so how long ago was this now only about six seven years ago okay I, I haven't been fishing like this for that long at all but i think that's also maybe an advantage you know coming mm-hmm. in with fresh ideas and new tactics and stuff and something different but yeah so i got that and then uh, in 2020 um during with the, the whole covid scare and everything like that um i went away from bass fishing because of the schedule just got too condensed so then i picked up a random walleye event um in minnesota and long story short we nate uh, wolski and i um my teammate we won that tournament and we won two out of three tournaments just random pickup walleye events that year on the professional level so we're like for 2021 last year i had to go all out and you know i did decent on the uh, national walleye tour and on the aim team circuit we were fortunate enough to win the uh, championship on lake of the woods and um win team of the year up there so it's been quite the quite the run yeah that's just wild you know it's it's not a normal path to walleye fishing you growing up doing farm ponds and then you start a nail salon Yeah. And then you just decide, I'm going to do professional walleye fishing. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's just, like yeah, a, I mean, it's just, just a smooth transition. Yeah, I mean, when you lay it out that way, it just seems yeah, natural. It's, you know? it's, it's obvious. I so, mean. so is there anything in the nail industry 
that translates well into walleye fishing? Patience and detail, for sure. Okay. For sure, 100%. I, like, um, just for an example, like, um, in, in the nail salon, we can be booked back to back. It gets stressful. It gets, you know, intense. And you have to have patience. You have to get through that. And, like, on the, on the lake, when I'm in a tournament, um, there's many times I've, if I've won a tournament, it's been on one, one spot. So, like, I, you have to have the patience to be able to sit there. And sometimes you have to grind a spot out before the fish will turn on. And also detail, like attention to color. Attention to what the fish actually want, as far as color goes, and being in an nail salon, we're surrounded by hundreds of colors, hundreds of glitters, you know, things yeah. like that. So, you know, I, I bet my truck seat has more glitter in it than anybody in this, you know, parking lot has. So, just from work, <laughs> I, you know, I believe you 100% on that. So that's awesome. You know, I, I was genuinely curious about that, if any of this stuff would translate and, you know, the patience that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, obviously color is one, you know, you're, you're dealing with a million colors. So what is, what's your favorite color to throw? Lead. Lead. Okay. <laughs> true. It, it's, it's true. Like if anybody knows me and anything like that, I, as far, I, I've learned that, um, it natural colors like mm -hmm. for you know being in the bat from the bass world um you know what's your most popular color it's green pumpkin right yeah pretty much and it's it's pretty much a natural color so why would walleyes be any different they're in my experience they're not so mm -hmm. natural yeah i mean it, it definitely makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. so you know being at fish fest here live on location the beauty about this podcast is we can have anybody just come and sit down and start talking with us and uh with us we have uh jaden thomas from the fargo shield store yeah go ahead jaden put on those uh put on those headphones can you hear us all right yeah we can i can hear you just fine all right you're gonna have to get up close to the microphone right, so so we can hear personal. you so jaden i i had put a question out on on uh, Instagram stories asking, you know, hey, ask Tom a question. And, and he came up with a really good one. And it was one that I was actually going to ask myself and was very curious about. Uh, so, Jaden, feel, feel free to take it over. Yeah, so, Tom, first of all, great to be able to sit here and talk with you. Been following your career and really impressed uh, how you've just been able to make a huge splash in the walleye world so quickly. That's re really impressive, man. So, I want to give you your props there, first and foremost. Appreciate it. Um, but a question I had, I think a lot of people have, you know, Coming from the bass world and doing as well as you've done in the walleye world, I've, you've talked about you have a lot of tech, you've had techniques in bass fishing that have transferred over to walleye. Um, I guess my specific question is probably what's one that has transferred over really well that maybe pe most people won't think about. I think one that a lot of people already know about is Ned rigging mm -hmm. has transferred over really well yep. from bass fish to walleye. But maybe what's another one that maybe not as many people are thinking about or is a bit more under the radar? Well, one that we like that's worked extremely well for me, like at the Lake of the Woods event last year in the AIM Championship. Um, Lake of the Woods historically has been known as a trolling um, tournament. It's a, it's always been one trolling up there, and I'm just not a troller. I almost rather cut my arms off than <laughs> than um, troll, pull a bait behind the boat. But um, I but Nate, my team partner, he fishes out of pre fishes out of a different boat, so he 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 likes trolling. He does all that, so that's good. So we can see what's working. So when I was out there for three days. I didn't catch a single fish. And we were up there only five days. I fished Lake of the Woods now, I think six days total in my life. That's it. And that was our first time up there. I thought going to Lake of the Woods, you know, it's a Minnesota Canadian water. You're thinking clear water. It's not clear. You, you can't see the bottom of your live well. That water's pretty dirty. So I'm like, okay, we need vibration, number one. Number two is, um, okay, I'm, I'm out there to mud bottom, 30 feet of water. I'm like, what can I do to pick up these fish how can i find them i was getting frustrated i couldn't find a fish so i remember in a bassmaster classic down in uh houston texas lake conroe i believe um i went and attended that bassmaster classic um and legendary elite fisherman like steve kennedy um 
He's a nice guy. I've never met him, but I mean, it looks like he'd want to fish with him all day long and then have beer afterwards. But um, he, Bassmaster fi films their stuff live. They have live uh, broadcasts of the events. And I, I was watching him on the big screen, and he was casting casting this big six, seven inch swim bait or wake bait on the top of the water. But then all of a sudden, you'd see him like burn it in. And then he throws something else back behind him and you catch a three or four pound bass. And then they ask him, like, what are you doing? He goes, I just need to get these bass to show themselves and I'm gonna cast back in what they want. So on Lake of the Woods, I remembered that. And I'm like, all right, so I did. I threw a six or seven inch swim bait and ro slow rolled it along the bottom, just enough to get those walleyes to show themselves out of the mud. And then I would cast back in. Of course, I'd have to, yeah, one thing I keyed in on there too, they say Lake of the Wood, you know, there's not much structure there. Um, but I did find structure and, and my structure came in the form of schools of six to seven, eight inch sauger. Mm. So that, so that I found in practice because I was, I threw at the school of sauger and then all of a sudden the school dispersed and I can see it on forward-facing sonar. They, they, they disperse and scare, they just swam away real quick and then all of a sudden there's this big mark that comes up and I'm like, oh, you know, th there's a big big girl down there stalking these fish. So then that's all we did after that. Um, there, we didn't catch many fish, but we caught the right ones. I mean, I think we won that tournament over second place by 35 pounds. And that's yes. wild. That, for those <laughs> in the non-tournament world, that's equivalent to winning a basketball game by, say, 40 or winning a football <laughs> game by, like, four or five touchdowns. That is dominance. Yeah, and, and it's just like, um, it, it was unbelievable. So finding that pattern and remembering that bass technique just to get those fish to reveal themselves and then cast back in with a more, um, like, finesse-style bait to catch them, that that is you know, how I've come to learn that bass fishing and walleye fishing really should not be that much different. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Great Very good question. answer. Yeah. Good, great answer. Yeah. It really, you know, it just kind of goes to show you need to open up your mind and be willing to try new things and, you know, take information that you're learning and, and just apply it. And what I got from that is it sounds like you have a great ability to fish the day see what's going on in real time, not be hung up on maybe past bites or past experience to use as a reference, but fish the day as is, and then being able to adapt on the fly. That's what I took away from that. Exactly. Pretty much. Yes. And, and fish your confidence. Like, you don't like if you're, a, if you're a caster cast, if you're a troller troll, and just, if you're you just do something different than the next guy though. And that, that does make a huge difference. And yes, you're right, don't fish history. Like you can't. Like last year, we had a repeat win on Leech Lake um, on the AIM circuit. And in 2020 when we won, that's what set this whole thing off anyway. Like the first tournament was in 2020 on Leech Lake and we won that thing. And same time of year last year, same week, same everything. Um, but day our year uh, in 2020 we caught them in 30 feet of water uh last year we were ultra shallow why who knows but if we would have just said okay we don't need to pre-fish this thing we don't need to do our research we would have went and probably zeroed where we would where we won the tournament last the year prior so definitely don't fish history even if it's your own history especially don't fish anybody else's history because i've never seen that to work so Awesome. Perfect. Love it. Jaden, thank you for joining us. Appreciate the question. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Take care. All right. It looks like we have another guest coming up. This one, uh, you know, he's he's caught a walleye or two himself, Maybe and that is uh, Jason going? Mitchell. Nice to meet you. How's it going, guys? Great. Pretty good. Pretty good. First time, first time meeting this guy. Yeah. Nice to meet you, man. I've been following you and doing great things. Yeah, That's appreciate cool. it. So do you have a question for him, Jason? You know, I've got all kinds of questions. I, <laughs> all right, perfect. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm ready to just be a sponge and soak up this walleye knowledge I we have sitting at the table right wherever now. Wherever I can, if I can ever, you know, get an idea in my head or at least get the wheels turning. I, I'm watching people all the time, and 
and listening to people. And I think if you don't, you're a fool. It's like, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot of great stuff from other people. So um, I have no pride. Um, you know, one question I have, I, I know you're big into forward-facing sonar. I could hear you, you know, talking with Jaden here earlier, you know, on different things. And um, I'm a big fan of it too. I mean, it just, it, 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 it's just opened up my eyes. I've, it's changed the way I fish. I mean, I could burn up a lot more time. For example, I got to be better at time management. Mm-hmm. My yep. day can get away from me so exactly. fast. Uh, but I've learned, like, I never envisioned how fast fish move. I just pictured them moving around, like fish in aquarium, slowly strolling mm-hmm. around. There's times they shoot across the screen, like, wow, I, I just, I, it's it just enlightening, right? Yep. And um, so it's definitely changed a lot of things I do. Now, is it the be all end all? I, you know, people are like, oh, we need to outlaw. Yeah, there's a lot of things it doesn't do too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of like side imaging, right? Side imaging is a phenomenal tool. It doesn't do everything, but I wouldn't want to be without it, right? Yep. Uh, but with that being said, like in the wintertime, I really noticed it this winter more so. And I had some, uh, you know, sometimes you can jump to, um, you can jump to conclusions without enough information. Like a couple things happen in you can jump to a conclusion, but you're wrong. You know, with mm-hmm. fishing, that can happen a lot, right? You mm-hmm. catch two fish on a chartreuse jig. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't a chartreuse jig, but you think that, right? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, um, we had a lot of fronts this winter, and we had a lot of just tough, fickle bites where, you know, they bite good for a half day. They, they were in a good mood for a day. Then there were two days where they weren't in a good mood. And it seemed like when those fish were in a funk, when they were tough, it almost seemed at times like the power from forward-facing sonar messed up the fish where they didn't want to swim into it or you could actually split a school have you seen that at all on tough tough bites does forward facing sonar sometimes make it tougher i've seen it a couple times or am i just crazy Uh, (laughs) i I don't think you're crazy jason i really don't i I think you there's something to that um and on uh cast lake um event there last year Mm -hmm. um me and nate noticed it both noticed it but it was on one day we fish out of different boats too yep. uh, for pre-fishing so like we noticed it on one day where we would scan around looking for structure and we'd see a we'd see a fish and you know it could be a small walleye or whatever yeah. but it was like they'd move they'd move they, like they you're chasing a ghost like yeah just, yeah yeah and they we or by the time we would cast on that structure or fish that fish would it'd be gone like mm-hmm. and the next day it was fine yeah. So why? But then we didn't. We, we did put it together. Like at first, the same as you. Are we confused? Are we crazy? Like yeah. are these? Is 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 this sonar really spooking these fish? I do think there's something to that, and I don't know what what in the day like triggers that or what makes them more sensitive. But I do think that there's yeah, something. Yeah. The only only thing I could think of like analogy be like there's times where you can catch fish right below the boat, seven feet of water, eight feet of water, motors running, and those fish are oblivious to your boat. That big prop turning almost seems like it just it it they're just that boat is irrelevant, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's other times where you can't even think of get, catching fish below the boat in seven feet of water. They won't don't want nothing to do with the boat. Yep. And uh, it almost I don't know if it's a deal where the fish are, you know. There's times where they're aggressive and they're all they're worrying about is eating. But when they're not aggressive, it's like that switch is turned off, or all they're trying to think about is not getting eaten. I don't know. Good but, point. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something there where there's times where I guess, like I put a master power switch on my on my active target this year, where you know, because I, I would when it get tough like that, I would pan it at them and then I would pan it away. You know, where I wasn't just beating it right mm-hmm. at them, where I, I just get a glimpse of them, no, yeah. learn enough, and then I turn away. Where now I got a, a power switch, and some of it too is if you're if you're running and you've got your transducer up out of the water, it's really bad for those transducers to be out of the water for long periods of time on. Yeah. I mean, they get hot, they get and hot, so yeah. I, why I, I put that master power switch right on the transducer, where um, you know I turn it, off, I can turn it off if, if the fish are in a funk or if I running long distances and don't want to turn my graphs off mm-hmm. and stuff so i've been playing with that and that's fun i mean i'll learn more this summer and some of the things i think i know today i'll find out i'm wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've jason i've actually had that instance happen too it was the it was late late ice i was doing crappie fishing and i was out like going around in basins and stuff and we'd get we'd start chasing these fish and we'd get to them we'd drill on top of them and then we'd try and be like super stealthy with our you know our electric augers like going as slow as we can not to scare these fish and then we'd put the deucer down and then they would they would be there but then they would slowly disperse so it's like mm-hmm. i think they've just been you know like 
that lake, they started getting hit pretty hard. And it's like, okay, I've known this to happen. And then I see my buddy go up the hole. It's like, all right, I'm starting to get a little bit educated. Yeah, but, um, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're dealing with a fish that's lower on the food chain than a salamander, right? But at the same time, I don't think you can ever discount how in tune the fish is to their environment. And, um, you know, like, like, for example, you'll see things in the wintertime where you'll drill your holes and you'll push fish away when you're drilling. Then you go on the other side, you drill holes and push the fish back towards the holes you drilled earlier, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, um, and I tell you what, so, you know, there's times where these fish are moving a lot. Like they're just swimming in a circle in a bowl. They're just like on a patrol where every time they encounter something they want to eat, they eat and they're just swimming in a, like laps, people going around a racetrack, right? And um, I remember one time we were down in South Dakota a few years ago and, uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that, I mean, I've learned a lot from forward-facing sonar where, like, one of the toughest things in the wintertime is when you have clear ice, early ice, clear water, and six inches of clear ice, and you can see down a long ways. Early ice isn't always what's cracked. That would be it's like yeah. this great, easy, stupid fishing. I mean, there's times where there's tough situations, and that's one of them. And, like, when we're going into a new lake, for example, we got to drill a lot of holes to find fish, right? There's only one way to figure out a lake, and that's to fish it. And not realizing some days where we just get our just get our, just get kicked in the teeth, where you know every time we drill the hole, we were pushing fish away. And I remember, so we were down in South Dakota, we were fishing this perch slough. You know, we had all this fancy equipment. You know, we got you know the forward-facing sonar, and it should be easy peasy, right? We caught fish, but we drilled so many holes, and we worked so hard. Where there were some people, locals, that went out on the lake. Drilled three holes, sat there on buckets with bobbers and minnows that caught way more fish than we did. We probably just pushed the lap around mm-hmm. the track faster each time, <laughs> so they had more fish coming underneath yeah. them. You know, so you you, you kind of learn, right? You got to learn, and you got to you got to take everything in. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's there's times where like when the, when those fish are moving that much, you know what? Sit on a couple holes and run traffic. Yep. Yep. You know, like mm-hmm. sitting in a tree stand. You know, exactly. yeah, it's a, you're always learning. I was adjusting. Well, just like I told him earlier with, you know, you know, fishing history and all that kind of stuff. But, like, I've won some tournaments in the last couple of years where I just grind out one spot. Like, literally, so just have patience. Like, you know, one of the one of our biggest wins was, you know, when you catch a single fish for three hours. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, God, we start getting a little bit nervous. And we're just, you know, when you're fish tournaments, you get kind of spun out sometimes. You think you've got to run, run, run. Yeah. But I knew... Yeah that two days prior these big ones were in here for some reason at a certain time so i'm like i just sat there and ground it out and mm-hmm. like i said sometimes you just gotta just camp out there and just wait because if they're if they're coming there the day before a couple days or you know before consistently they'll be back oh, you absolutely. just got to give them time that's kind of the difference between a, an experienced accomplished tournament angler and somebody that's just kind of struggling as a is and i've been on both sides i mean i've, I've done really bad and i've done really good but um when when things don't go your way the way you envision it when you're sleeping at night and you just spin out and you, and you try to fish 15 spots really mm-hmm. poorly mm-hmm. you're not a threat it's, yep. if you put your head down and fish one two three spots during a tournament that's how you do good yep. and, and that's what i've what i've put together keep your too. line in the water and I always try to fish like two or three people. So when I was guiding, I had lines all over. I, my boat looked like a porcupine. I had lines <laughs> all over. Well, it's easy to catch fish when you have that many lines in the water because you figure things out so fast. Yeah. But like when you're by yourself, you know, you got to slow way down. And, and, and you know, it, it, it takes a lot more, I think, mental stuff it, going it on to try to, okay, I've done this. And okay, I got to slow way down. Okay, I've done this. You know, and, and keep turning those switches. Whereas, when you have a bunch of people in the boat, that's done for you, and you don't even have to think about it, and, and stuff gets given to you, if that makes any yeah. sense. No, right? I get it, yeah. Somebody catches a fish doing something you would have never done, and now they've caught two more, and now you're doing and catching fish, too. You would have never got that break if you were by yourself that yep. day. And yeah. so I always try to slow down and, and think of that, too. How can I fish like different people? How can I turn that switch like a TV channel? You know, try to figure out what those fish want. Nope, I totally agree, and I'm learning all that stuff as we go, and... Yeah, it just never stops. Patient. Nope. No, I think you got something figured out. You go out and just, nope. you're the only person that didn't catch fish. Like, yep. man, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't believe, yeah. they, I can't believe you have a TV show, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> oh, love it. All right, Jason, appreciate the time. Hey. Great questions. Yeah. It looks like we have another contestant up. We've got Karen Olson here right. from, the, from the Fargo nice social media team and events she is uh 
she is behind all of this magic here at Fish Fest. Karin, how are you doing today? I'm so excited. You guys, this is my first time on the Shields Outdoors podcast. About time, Mike. About time. Hey, better late than never. Better late than never. So uh, uh, I, I do have a, it's a very hard question. Oh, okay, you ready? Uh, yep. Okay, so I am curious if uh, your favorite color plastic aligns with the most popular nail polish color at the salon. No. <laughs> they, both, they both have glitter in it. Oh, <laughs> all right, so, all right. I, li- I like so, that. So I like yeah, that. Yep. Uh, okay, so what is the most popular color at the salon? The most popular color, you're looking at um, probably nudes right now. Nudes yeah. And well, getting into spring, your turquoises, corals, corals, pinks, stuff like that. So if you're looking to catch a northern, maybe, maybe a northern right. pike, throw some of those bright colors on. But And what's your, <laughs> what's your favorite color plastic? Uh, green pumpkin or black. All right. I, my favorite color is green, too, so yeah. I get that. Yep. Oh, there we go. So why, is, why is it black? Black. It, um, the primary forage for one of the primary forages for walleyes or bass up north or leeches. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. black translates everywhere, though. I mean, um, they, you know, you, they, it's it's. I should say common fishing knowledge or what we've learned to use black or dark colors in muddied stained water but I use black even in clear water because I mean it is a natural color or it, it's if anything it's a silhouette yeah so. exactly I think that's one thing a lot of people don't really think about when they're choosing colors like the black and the darker and stuff like you think about it oh how are they going to see it it's black but like if you're a fish you're sitting at the bottom and you're looking up that yep. sky is not black. Yep, just like my, if bass, topwater bass fishing with frogs. I have two colors, black and white. Mm-hmm. Like And black, I have it on all the time. Like black is probably 95%. Because okay. when a fish is looking up at that, like it doesn't really matter what color it is, really. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so because they're just looking down and the sun's beating over the top. They just see the shadow. So why not darken it up as much as you can? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Great question. I mean, I had to ask the hard questions, right? You you know, somebody's got to do it. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thank Thank you, you. Karin. All right. We have one more. This one is uh, Matt Schneider. If you follow the Fargo Shields Outdoor page, you likely know him as Mustache Matt. If you don't follow the Fargo Shields Outdoors page, go ahead and do that. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm better now that you gave me a little bit of a shout out. I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, there we go. Hey, uh, that's what I'm here for, man. <laughs> I will say I am very, very excited that I do have the mustache back. You know, I did have some time where I shaved it and a lot of people didn't recognize me anymore. So I had to bring it back, but I am going to shave it after Fish Fest. I feel like it's going to be a Fish Fest and an Ice Fest thing to keep the mustache. So yeah. well, we'll uh, see. Know, it would take me probably four years to grow that. So. <laughs> You're, you're doing good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It took me a yeah, while to t- grow. Okay. <laughs> no, he he literally shaved at Ice Fest and then kept it going, and now he finally has it back for Open Water Fish Fest. Oh, there you go. Six months later, here yeah. we are. <laughs> All right, I have one question, and you know, a lot of tournament anglers they kind of overlook this. Um, but your preparation before a tournament, like I, it's such a mental game when you're out on the water for that long and pre-fishing and going through all the steps and the motions. So my question is, with the nail salon business, do you go get your nails done and stuff like that before the tournaments to really like ease the stress? <laughs> no, actually I don't, but I, my, I will take clients. Oh, okay. <laughs> to the point I leave to, to for a turn because honestly, being in the nail salon, taking clients, doing clients is relaxing to me. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. I, I love the job, and yeah. it's just that is like my stress reliever, really. So oh, good deal. It's nice. But I, so I've been told I should probably, you know, have a couple of nails painted or something, mm-hmm. polished for the well, tournament. I mean, based on your record this year already, I'm like, if I got to paint my nails to start like competing and doing well in tournaments yeah. like you are doing, I mean, I'll do it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'll just throw a sock over my, sh- over my <laughs> feet here, whatever nails I got to paint. So yeah, we'll, set, we'll set you up an appointment here before oh, your next event. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. You know, I, I might have to as well, you know, actually my wife goes to your salon. Oh, so oh, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's like how I actually first knew who you were. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, she's like, 
this guy, he's, we went to this Paula salon and he had a, he had a trolling motor come in and then <laughs> it was like, yeah, apparently he's a tournament fisherman. And I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. His name is Tom. So yeah. And now, yeah. now here we are doing a podcast and you're winning fishing tournaments and it's, it's wild how it goes. It's been a crazy ride. Yeah. And we definitely, you know, if any of you guys or women out there are not into getting your nails done, but want to come to the salon, I mean, we... We probably do have more fishing deliveries into our salon than probably right behind Shields, probably. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, love it! Yeah, so it's been, it's been quite the quite the ride though, and the you know like the response from you know all of our clients and stuff like that because they've always known too that I've always had something for fishing, and to see you know the how it's come in the last couple of years and stuff like that so it's it's a you know it's two totally different uh spectrums yeah but they go together well mm-hmm. so i have a couple of questions on that so when, you, when you're on the tournament trail uh number one do you do you get hassled or teased by doing a nail salon and then on the flip side when you beat people at fishing tournaments do you ever make fun of them saying a nail guy beat you in a fishing tournament <laughs> I don't think I have to make fun of them. <laughs> Let the numbers speak for yeah. themselves. So, yeah. so uh, as far as that goes, like I, when I first started doing nails, I was 19 years old. So at that point, you know, coming from the cattle farm in Arkansas to all that, I was like, at that time, you know, and coming from small town Arkansas, it's kind of like very similar to, you know, small town North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you have your things that, you're supposed to do you 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 think that oh a man is supposed to do this job a woman's supposed to do this job that it, it that like went totally out of my mind when i first started doing that i'm like you know what you anybody can do should be able to do anything they want to do and love to do i don't mm-hmm. you, as Absolutely. long as you love doing it mm-hmm. do it i mean and then it doesn't matter what job it is if you love it you're going to be able to take that job or career to the next level and make more money than the person next to you so like that to me it like so now yeah so the last couple of years with these interviews and stuff like that people are asking my day job and when that first came out yeah people were like you know didn't didn't believe it they're like <laughs> yeah right he's joking but then um, i've had i will tell you i've had you know a, a couple of people like kind of make fun of it mm-hmm. but then there's a 99 percent of the guys on the tour um like come up and like almost defend it like now they're like with me or for me i don't even have to say anything and it's it's almost been like okay that's weird to kind of being like a cool thing now they're like yep. like max wilson you know on the nwt he he even like sent me pictures of he had a couple of his nails polished you know it's like you know all these guys <laughs> yeah. so, and there's been a few of them since that you know they think it's like a cool deal like this morning i woke up to a message saying uh from a fisherman saying tom i'm gonna send you some money my wife is very picky on her nails and you say that you do nails better than you fish so <laughs> we're gonna, we're, <laughs> we're gonna, i'm gonna send you some money and we're gonna set, set her up on an appointment so it's become like a which is really cool. It's like nobody. It, it, it's. I've made doing this job for a guy um, like normal. Uh, you know, it's like okay, yeah. <laughs> who cares? That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I've I've got a couple of daughters, and I'd be lying if I said I hadn't gotten my nails painted. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, so absolutely, own it up. You're totally yeah. right. Polish my right now. my actually my right pinky is probably painted more often than it isn't painted. <laughs> so there you go. I usually I. I don't keep all of them. It's usually <laughs> yeah. like I'll just keep the one because you can kind of hide it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then when people will still notice, though, and they'll call you like, you have that nail painted? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> just, own it. You just got to With things like that, you just got to own it. Yep. Loud and proud, man. And it's always a bright color. It's always like mm-hmm. a turquoise or like oh, yeah. a, a bright orange or mm-hmm. something. Well, it mm-hmm. doesn't count unless people can see it. You know, that's just yeah. how it goes. Yeah, so no. and we're getting we're, <laughs> yeah, and we're getting a lot of guys, more and more guys coming for pedicures. Okay, right now, now it's polished. Yeah, and it's like a, and and lot, right away they're a little nervous about it, but then they come in their their wives, girlfriends, book them appointment with them, and 
they're nervous the first visit. Then after that, they're, you know, they're booking an appointment for themselves, coming in by themselves for the next one because they liked it so much. But there you go. You know, you know, you might be on to uh, something with the whole like fishing nail deal because then you can you can target the outdoor mm-hmm. audience and you can just talk hunting and fishing and give tips while you're doing nails and yeah, I think you'd I think you'd book out like crazy. Yeah. So finally having a having a nail salon that can top fishing and hunting with uh, with your you know your male and female clientele that do those things. I mean we got it now. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm I'm pretty embarrassed about the way my my toes look right now. They need some serious attention. So yeah, my wife can confirm that. So I, I might have to book an appointment with we'll, you. Here. We'll do those on the next podcast. Okay. Yeah, we'll yeah. do a we'll do a podcast pedicure. There That's we go. Yeah, we Perfect. Yep. Love it. Instead of a catch and cook, it's a how to how to pedicure the nails or whatnot yeah, or yeah. polish up the nails. Okay. There we go. Now we got to try. Well, you're just all about setting trends, Tom. Yeah. Well, we're, you know, just gotta think out of the box a little bit exactly you know that's been doing really well for you i was just about to say speaking of thinking outside the box and i could have swore on that last uh target walleye article that i saw uh what you were using on one of your tournaments and it looked like a texas rig with a white chigger craw yep Yes. Explain that. I don't yeah. know if that, you guys already I, talked about I, it. But no, we oh have not goodness. talked about it. It has been on my list. It's something like, I don't care how long this podcast runs. I need to talk about that. So, yes, yeah. please do. Explain the yeah. thought process. I love it. Okay. So, it was on the AIM, the first AIM Minnesota team event this year <laughs> on the Mississippi River. And as all my competitors and stuff know, like, I'm not a river fisherman. I Last year was the first time... I'd ever been on top of a moving body of water before. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I've never fished a river until last year. And so I, there's a lot to learn. It's way different. Like typically from what I'm understanding now, the, the anglers who win events on rivers live on the river basically. Right. And so this first event, like on the AIM circuit, Nate and I talked about it. We're like, we're going to go do it, but let's just get this one behind us, basically. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to lakes after this. So um, our pre-fish was terrible. I mean, it was snowing. It was windy. I put videos up. Of, we're, we're out there fishing in 20-degree weather, ice hanging all over the place. Ugh. But it, it, one one morning, um, my one of my managers, Fawn, from... Uh, polished in Osgood. She, she called me. I was on the phone with her, help answering some salon questions. And I was sitting in the boat, and I looked up on some riprap mm-hmm. um, up there that was fairly close to the dam up there. And um, I was just sitting there staring at it, and I saw up, literally up on the rocks, right in the water on the rocks, was some shad flickering. At the time, yeah. I didn't know it was shad. Like fishing bass down in the Tennessee River and stuff like that down south you see shad flickering all the time that's where you want to go fishing right mm-hmm. especially in the mornings but I never knew just my ignorance like I, I never knew shad existed in Minnesota but I'm like that sure looks like shad and but why are they flickering on the rocks it's not even spawn time mm-hmm. it, you know spawning for shad is like 60 some degrees I believe I could be wrong but I think I'm right on that and it was the water template had just barely hit 40 so walleye should be going anytime. Mm-hmm. So after I got off the phone, I went up there first with a uh, jerk bait, like a Mega Bass 110 shallow jerk bait. Yeah. And caught a um, smallmouth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I uh, caught a, a small sauger, and then I snagged one of those shad. And mm-hmm. the shad was probably like four or five inches long. Right. Uh, perfectly like white silver. Like it was just like. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, they do exist in here. So um, I went back there every morning, and I saw one more time where there was a little bit of action right there. And this row of rocks had, it looks straight to your eyes, mm-hmm. but when you look at it from Google, uh, Google Earth, there's three cuts in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those cuts had a current break in it under the water. You couldn't even see it above the water. So with forward-facing right. sonar, I could see where rocks came up higher. And it only made sense then that they were chasing, like shad would come up there mm-hmm. in school, and then those fish would be right behind them. So then um, during the pre-fishing, the, it, it was still cold. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the water temperatures still, were still cold, so the, those fish haven't, hadn't moved up there in practice. So then 
the day before the tournament, uh, that Saturday night, I told Nate, like, if the water temps hit 40 when we turn the boat on in the morning, morning of the tournament, we have to hit this spot because we knew the sun was going to be out for once, beating on those rocks, warming mm-hmm. up first, and the wind was supposed to be in our favor. So, like, let's go there, check it out, because if it's if, if they're on, they're on. Right. And so the sun was up, turned the boat on that morning, 40 to 40.2 something. I'm like, all right, we, we got to spend at least 10 minutes here. Right. So we go up there. And um, so, also that 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 riprap was super aggressive. Yeah, very aggressive. So I was getting snagged in there with all your typical baits in, mm-hmm. in practice. So um, what I did was the only thing that I could get through there, I was thinking the only thing you can get through cover like that is a Texas rig, something. And what do I have in my tackle that can mimic a shad? I had some flukes, some mm-hmm. white flukes, and some white swim baits, but. In reality, when you when I cast it up to the, those rocks, there's no current. Right. Six feet out, I'd bring it back, and then that's six, eight feet out, and that's when that bait would hit that current mm-hmm. and start flapping down the rocks, and I would just freeze pull it down. So that fluke never really mimicked a flat-bellied or flat-bodied shad. Right. Really. So I was like, okay, what do I have? So I had the, those white craws that I use for bed fishing largemouth yeah okay so i threw that because it's more flat profile mm-hmm. pinchers are flat so i cast it out there and let that thing just let the current hit that bait mm-hmm. and start going it down and then the first time i got bit i'm like uh, this is this is it this is the thing and uh so tournament day we caught a uh 28 and a half walleye <laughs> out of there fattest walleye i've ever had in my boat ever and then um, four or five keepers to put on the card. So we caught more in that first hour, hour and 15 minutes than we did our entire pre-fish. And so the current came up though, and the wind came up and blew us out of that spot. Mm-hmm. So we went across the other side of the river uh, to a spot where we caught one fish and pre-fishing. It was like, let's just grind this out right. all day. And we used blade baits over there yeah. uh, because that's another bait where I can actually just be you know, yeah. dragging mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Those guys over the, the river guys are u- using what they call Dubuque, Dubuque rigging. Oh, okay. So yep. a heavy weight on the bottom and a three-way swivel and the weight coming. They're moving up current with their trolling motor like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2 miles an hour. I can't. No. I can't do that it. That doesn't sound like no. something you want to do. No. I mean, <laughs> in the team circuits, I could do it just for the fact that Nate's in the boat with me and he right. can wake me up every now and then. <laughs> and be like, you know. So, but that's it. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's just a matter of trying to figure out, like, paying attention, mm-hmm. reading reading the water, reading what's going on, and utilizing what you might have in your boat to mimic that. I don't think a fish is going to be like, when, the, when, when a bait's, like, being swept down the current, mm-hmm. they're not going to be, like... Um, sitting there studying it, like what is this what is it's a reaction right so i do mm-hmm. think in that case sometimes color might matter a little bit so whether it's white or black or something like that mm-hmm. so white in that case mimic that silver pretty closely in mm-hmm. that stained water so that's it, it was crazy but that's what one it was a Jeez. it was a uh yeah it was just a little white crawl that's awesome just i i, I was reading that on target walleye too and it was like he won Texas, a walleye tournament, Texas rig and a craw. Yeah. Like, well, that's awesome. And I get questions about it all the time. People are like, you know, come up to uh, before tournaments and like, what, what bass technique are you using this time? But when I, <laughs> when I, when I, when I fished Bassmaster Opens, okay, uh, Oneida Lake in New York, Lake Champlain, uh, Malax, things like that, I'm using plastics and I'm catching walleyes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? These walleyes are never small. Mm-hmm. In bass tournaments, when oh, I'm yeah. catching walleye, they're not small. So why would you know? So for me, it's like if I'm looking for that big bite, and that's all you need to make a difference in a tournament. Like, why wouldn't I just throw that all day? Really? Yeah, that that reminds me, Matt. Last year when we were fishing, we were doing some favorite bass fishing setups. We made a video, and yeah. he's he's throwing a chatterbait by docks and pulls in a 25 inch walleye. Yes, we we have to keep the chatterbait topic to a, a minimum here. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah, because no. that is a hidden secret for when those walleyes are in the weeds. And mm-hmm. probably one of the next guests on here, Kyle Agri, will attest to it. <laughs> he uh, he has caught some really big walleyes on chatterbaits, and uh, funny thing about that is. 
he was, when I was up in the fishing shop, he came up before one of his tournaments, uh, walleye tournament, obviously, and he comes and he clears a full rack of those Z-Man original chatters. I'm like, Kyle, are you going bass fishing? Like, what do you got going on here? It's like, yeah, bass fishing. Don't don't worry about it. (laughs) You'll find out after the next tournament results. Two weeks later, I see a picture of him holding like a 29 and a half inch walleye with a white and uh, white and chartreuse chatterbait right on the corner. I'm like, really, <laughs> really? <laughs> I sold him that lure. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Those, those, there's some, yeah, there's some baits out there that will catch big ones that people don't think about. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's crazy too. Like I'm gonna be doing uh, one of my bass tank seminars today, and I'm gonna be talking about drop shotting. Mm-hmm. And last year, I mean, when those walleyes were in the weeds, heavy in like beginning of June, early June, uh, water temps were low 70s. You know, mm-hmm. I was catching a lot of those walleyes with a drop shot and a real leech, mm-hmm. and just pulling it out of the weeds, mm-hmm. and that was working really well. So a lot of people, like you were saying, with those weird uh, tactics. A lot of people hear drop shot and they're like, oh, that's just a bass lure. Yeah. No, no, Absolutely it is not. <laughs> no, it is yeah. not. A lot of people, and I'm going to talk about it, using pan, use it for pan fishing, use it mm-hmm. for walleye fishing, you kind of name it. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of those cool uh, tactics and lures that you could use to catch big walleyes. And you've obviously proved that on your trail <laughs> this year so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah what, walleye fishing is quickly becoming more than just a, uh, pull a spinner, pitch a jig, and use live bait. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, if I could just throw like a whopper plopper and yes. catch and catch those walleyes, yep. I mean, I could probably Carolina rig it and it might work, yep. but if I throw a topwater and catch walleyes, <laughs> I might become a walleye fisherman, okay? Yeah. Well, if, I could, if I could throw a topwater and catch a walleye, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'd be out fishing. No, absolutely. <laughs> Well, oh, this, has been, this has been fun, guys. I'm going to go grab your next guest. I think I'm going to go snag Kyle Agri here for you, okay? Perfect. All right, perfect. perfect. And in between that, we've got some questions we had uh, from from stories on Instagram. Okay, so perfect. Let's knock out a couple of those. So we've got uh, Felipe Moore Fishing asks, is walleye fishing better at night or during the day? And is there a specific time I should be fishing for walleye? And you can't give the whole, like, magic hour answer, you know, like, Obviously, you catch a lot of fish the last hour and, you know, the around hour, sunset. The last hour and in 14, 15 feet of water. Okay. Yep. That's the that's the answer I was given early on for everything, you mm-hmm. know, for walleye fishing. You know, that, that's just your generic thing. And um, there is, to, right now, there is no better time uh, of day to go catch them. I, I don't believe that. Yeah. I, I just think that... They, um, I do think they're, you know, your, your typical thing, and they're shallower in the mornings, deeper in the, in the daytime, uh, but, you know, there's no magic time anymore, I don't think. Like, I used to think I'd have to go out at night and troll. Like, for example, in Leech Lake, it's a nighttime trolling bite sometime in, in the summer, and I won't do that anymore. It's like treble hooks flying all over the place. You can't see them. Like, honestly, put your time in on the water, find where those fish go, and you can go out and catch a limit, learn your electronics. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. I honestly don't believe that anymore. Yep. The best time to fish is time where you have available you have the time fish. To go do that's it that's the proper that. answer. Yep. So. Yep. Kyle, thank you for joining us. We've got our next guest. How's it going, Kyle? Thanks for the invite. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, thank you for shouting us out here. I mean, you've announced it a few times. Come ask some questions. And, uh, you know, appreciate that and appreciate you, you sitting bet. down. So Great time. What an event here, right? To be able to do a podcast like this right outside the tent, Fargo Shields Fish Fest. I mean, this is the perfect scenario. No, it is cool. Yeah, we're, we're starting to get a little bit of wind, but, you know, all in all, all things considered, being outside, being able to do yes. this, it's great. Because, like, you look back a week ago, it was, like, 40 degrees and sleeting. So I will I will take what we have right now. Well, you know, when, when we first had one of the planning meetings here for Fish Fest, and, I, and they mentioned that they're going to have the, the bass tank here, my next question was, am I bringing my ice auger? And are we talking about <laughs> jigs and plastics, but are we talking about little panfish tungstens and plastics? What a beautiful day. If this doesn't get you fired up for open water fishing, nothing else will. I mean, seeing the warm weather, yeah, it's a little bit of wind, but we're in Fargo. We expect it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just another day. 
just another day. <laughs> All right, Kyle, you got a question for Tom? You know, and I, I had to step out. I, I've heard part of it and I missed uh, some of it. So I hopefully this isn't a repeat. But one of the questions I have for you is just your transition because you started tournament fishing for bass. Yep. And and now you've made that transition for walleyes and you made it quite successfully. What was the hardest part in, in tournament fishing from going from one species to another? The hardest part was taking the fish off the hook that have teeth. <laughs> That's it. Walleye thumbs a tough deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not going to want to lip yeah. a walleye. Don't recommend no, it. I, I learned that. So, no, but no, really, it, it's all when you're competing on those levels, these levels, it's mostly a mind game. It's, it's very stressful mentally. Um, that's the biggest thing. Like in pre-fishing, you're thinking, if you're not catching them, you just know for sure that that guy over there is. He's on them, you know. And, or you, you could be on them in practice, and then you go out in the tournament, and you're not getting bit for the first three hours. Then you start scrambling, like you're running around, spending more gas than you are time fishing. So as far as the competitiveness is the same, I'm fishing still against the best of the best in the in either industry and but the transit no I mean, just learning why these fish aren't are not different that's the thing it's like look there i i from what i learned when i was you know fishing for walleyes for fun before um basically the only way i'd fish for walleyes before i fished tournaments was when my arm was tired from casting for bass all day and I wanted to sit down and have a beer and pull the Lindy rig <laughs> and never catch a walleye. <laughs> like, Put the rod in the rod holder. Yeah, and done. Okay. I caught a perch. Look at that. Three inches. So, but no, I quickly learned that bass and walleye really aren't that, they're not that different. They really aren't. And, you know, a lot of the same baits, they use the same habitat. Um, and they're both predatory. And walleye are even more predatory. I mean, like, hey, look at their teeth. They're shaped mm -hmm. like torpedoes. They, they, if you see them on your electronics, they're fast. They're like torpedoes, they're fast. Yeah, they can they cover move. some ground. Yeah, quick. And so it's just, it's just been a matter of going out, trying different, not being afraid to try different things for walleyes. Um, I'll be honest, 95% of the things I try don't work. You know, or I can't get them to work, but the five percent that does is unique. So, you know, don't be afraid to try something different. What I'm hearing you say is there's probably a lot more similarities than there are differences. Yes, there is on the on behavior, fish behavior. I believe so. Like, so, um, like where they go in the summer versus, you know, both both fish. You know, like will go deeper you know, bass walleyes in the summer, for example, and in the in early mornings, they're shallower feeding, they slide out, you know, and just little things like that. They're, it's, it's a similar, similar type fishing. So. Well, I grew up, you were either a bass fisherman or you were a walleye fisherman. You weren't both, right? No. And so the idea that those worlds mesh together and a lot of the fishing tactics, fishing equipment, fishing, you know, techniques and lures that cross over. I think that's awesome for everybody. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. It is awesome. And like I said earlier, what do we do? You know, uh, those of us that fish bass, artificial lures. When we do catch a walleye, and it, it does happen when we do catch one, it's a big one. And so, like for me, like fishing largemouth bass, for example, in the weeds. To me, I I do believe the biggest walleyes in the system are in the weeds, and. How do we get? Look at this guy smirking the, over the here. The question is, how do we get into those weeds? Because a lot of guys will see uh, a weed, you know, flat, and they're like, forget about it. Let's go to the sand. Let's go somewhere where we're not getting weeds all day long. But that's where separates tournament anglers, not even tournament anglers, but the guys who are going to catch the giants versus, you know, the ones who aren't. Yep, absolutely. I, I just saw that smirk, and it just brought me back to Matt talking about how you cleaned out a shelf of chatterbaits. <laughs> well, I, I did, and that came off of a conversation I overheard from Perry Good, right? And Perry Good doesn't fish tournaments anymore, but he was a longtime professional walleye angler talking about fishing smallmouth on Malax with chatterbaits in the weeds and on the rocks. And he said they couldn't keep the walleyes off. And, you know, it kind of turns that switch on in your mind to say, 
okay, these lures and techniques aren't in silos. They're not specific to one species. And lo and behold, if you're willing to give it a try, like you said, a lot of times it may not work, but sometimes it does. Yep. Well, you, yeah. remember, you remember when the Bassmaster Elites came to Mille Lacs and they do the lives, you know, they camera in the boat. Yep. The they were catching big walleyes on their bass technique. So it's like, we're seeing it. People are seeing it with their own eyeballs. Why, why are you going to go drag a Lindy rig tomorrow? Yeah, <laughs> and it just it just makes fishing so much more fun. You know, like I I jumped on the jig and wrap craze, and like that's my absolute favorite lure to throw for walleye. You know, like trying to pick them off, and now it's like okay, you can throw jig and wraps, you can throw chatter baits. Apparently, you can throw Texas rig crawdads. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you just yeah. don't be afraid to try new stuff and make it interesting. I'll I'll probably never pull. I won't say that. I'll do it a lot anyways. When I'm fishing <laughs> with my dad and my parents, where that's all they do. Then, then I probably will. But yeah, it's a, it's so fun to try all these new things to see what works. So Tom, tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, but that jig and wrap bite has taken the walleye world by by storm, right? In the last ten years, and if you really look at it, a, a jig and a plastic snapped over the top of the weeds is the same bite. It's the same reaction bite that those fish are are just not thinking about. Well, you're right. The jig and wrap storm has been huge, but I'll tell you this, and not too many people know this about what's in or what's not in my boat but i own three jigging wraps so that tells you something exactly what you just said i have a lot of plastic and i own three jigging wraps i think i tied one on for like three seconds and i but, broke it off and i was like okay forget about it i'm not doing it again but no i mean it is like jigging wraps are a huge tool tournaments have been one on those catching some big ones like on lake oahe things like that but like um I don't use them, but they work. But and you're not going to fish them in the weeds. That's why. Yep. And yep. But, but yeah, what absolutely. you said about plastics on those heads, like, that's my thinking. Like, it's it's the same thing with even a little bit more action, really. So Eliciting that reaction bite. Those fish don't get to think about it. They see it, and they have to either eat it or they miss out. Yep. Yep. That's it. So, uh, Tom, are you, are you sponsored by any certain lure company, or can you tie on whatever you want? I can tie on whatever I want. Um, there's a bait company um, out of North Carolina, just a very small bait company. It's called Biz Bait, and they um, hand pour their plastic still, um, infuse them with scent, and their plastic is, like, perfect softness i think mm-hmm. and they're the only big they've been with me you know they're the they're the first ones they're the first ones that put me on their pro staff and um i met the owner at you know i went after one of my Bassmaster tournaments i went and had dinner at a restaurant i sat at the bar and um him and his family were there and i overheard him say he's in the fishing industry and i thought he was a fisherman but he's a you know, just started up his small bait, your small business with baits, and I've been with them. So I use their plastics a lot, but I'm not tied to have to use that every tournament. But that craw, that white craw, was was there. Okay. Their yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, but no, kind of going back to my original question, like those those like Berkeley snap jigs, and then tossing those with plastics. Is yep. that sort of like your yep. go-to yep. style baits? Yep, like that. Yep. So those. Uh, those snap jigs, that, you know, that resemble the, um, the head yeah, and the fins. Of yeah, the, they can get that kind of fleeting bait yep, fish motion yep. with and it. And then with the plastic fluke or, you know, anything like that on it. And, uh, again, it's just, for me, it's natural colors, whether it's white or pearl or black or, you know, green pumpkin. That's, that's it. I don't have, I have the, I probably have the least amount of tackle in my boat of anybody on the tour. I, I'm pretty certain of it. People think otherwise, but I, I keep things simple to my confidence, and I've learned that I'm not going to go with, throw what he throws and catch his fish on mm-hmm. in a tournament situation because he's confident in it. I'm not. Like, I can't. You know, that, that's that's huge for yeah. a lot of people. So, so that's a very interesting dynamic is you're trying some trendy and outside-the-box tactics but you have some of the fewest lures in your boat. Yep. I, I could almost guarantee I have the smallest amount of tackle. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's crazy. Very cool, though. Very cool. So appreciate that question, Kyle. 
You bet. Thanks for the opportunity to come and sit down for a few minutes. <laughs> Great to be able to visit, and we've vis- visited with Tom on our radio show, and and uh, we'll I'm sure do that again. But uh, it's fun following you and watching your your adventures as you go out on the trail. I appreciate that. It's it's always nice, and yeah, I'd like to come on the show again one day and or maybe go fishing with you guys you bet that'd be fantastic (laughs) there we go thank you mike ask me i'd I'd like to go fishing with you too so let me let me know when that happens i'll I'll bring a camera guy too we'll have a grand old time we'll do that perfect (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks again kyle thank you all right so we just got a few more questions from uh from our instagram and facebook stories you know a couple of them have already been covered you know we talked about go-to baits colors uh here's a good one from uh his name's kellen layton dress do walleye bore you compared to bass fishing and do you ever chase muskie um they don't bore me anymore walleyes don't they they used to until i started figuring out how to catch them the way I want to catch them but uh no they now if I'm out on the lake just hunt fishing it is walleye that I'm going after because like this this year for example my first three events have been tournaments and the ice is still on the lakes up here in Minnesota so Mm -hmm. I haven't had time all the stuff I've been dreaming up over the winter of like new tactics and new things to use different different styles I haven't had a chance to use it yet because I'm not going to do that when I'm pre-fishing for a tournament like as like i said you know it's just you're wasting too much time so yep. here in the next couple weeks i'm hoping to get out to the lakes to you know try some different things try some new tactics to see if i can get uh reactions from walleyes to catch those big ones um and so no walleye fishing does not bore me anymore it's um it's actually pretty exciting to see that what i can get them to eat and what i can get those big 10 12 pounders to eat you know yep. so absolutely um, as far as muskies, yes. Um, in the fall, when tournament season's winding down, I will go tie on some big baits and uh, top water. I just mm-hmm. fling, fling some top waters. I've only caught a couple muskies in my life, so if anybody wants to hit me up and take me and show me actually how to catch a muskie, I'd be happy to do that this <laughs> they, fall. <laughs> well, the guy that asked the question, he's he's a pretty good muskie. Oh, there fisher. we go. <laughs> so, yeah, it's <laughs> and if you haven't been muskie fishing before. It is a rush. You know, like, it, it can be extremely boring because you can chuck a bait 10,000 times Tiring. and never see yeah. one. Yeah. But when you get, oh, like, God. when you see that fin following your topwater bait, it just a big old fin like a shark coming in. Yeah. Or when you're doing a figure eight and you see one come in and just crush your bait at the boat, like, you'll be hooked forever. Yeah, I've had, I've caught two on topwaters and... and I've had some follows, and just from a long day of fishing, casting for muskies, you get tired, but just seeing that follow, that's sometimes all it Yeah, takes. that's it's something like, oh, that's just, like, permanently <laughs> yeah. etched in your yep. memory. So um, another one here, uh, Ridges L25, uh, best spring bait. Best spring bait. What's your um, favorite bait you like to use in the spring? A jig and three-inch plastic. There you go. Yeah. Keep it simple. Don't. And um, they're just coming off of, uh, you know, you got this pre-spawn fish. You're looking to fatten up and um, use small plastics and light light jigs. Nothing heavy. Eighth ounce jigs and anything under 14 feet of water. I say. Okay. Yep. Love it. Um, let's see what else. I think we I think we've covered most of these throughout all our conversations. Yep. Except we've got one last one. So. Brandon Stadler asks, how do you start fishing for walleye as a beginning angler? Start fishing for walleye as a beginner. Like, so I was just a beginner, like, not that long ago. So um, you just go out. If you have any sort of electronics on your boat, learn your electronics. Um, Just literally time on the water. And there's so much information out there now on YouTube and stuff like that. So you, like... This summer too, I'll be doing some YouTube videos of that, uh, of certain techniques and stuff like that, where I'm I'm revealing that big fish on the bottom with a big bait before I cast back to it, for example. Mm-hmm. So basically, as a beginner, time on the water, look up YouTube videos, things like that, that uh, tactics that you might prefer to use. So again, I'm always go back to that. Like if you're a troller. Learn your trolling tactics. Learn something with that. If you're a caster, stick to that. And then once you get that dialed in, and then learn 
what everybody else, you know, like learn what you don't want to use because there's 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 been a tournament this year yep. that I fished that I I fished my strength the whole entire tournament and it did not work. Like I just could not dial it in. I didn't have enough time to figure out a bite. And then hindsight, I wish I would have knew known those like pan lining tactics, which yep. you know who does that? But on certain systems, there's people who do and people who the locals do yes, that <laughs> and, and they they're successful and that's that's awesome and i want to learn all of that stuff but first first and foremost use your confidence and go out there and uh, once you catch your first one or two like that that's all you need and then as a beginner then you get your confidence up mm-hmm. perfect yeah Con- confidence is the best tool in your tackle box yep whether you you know you could go out today catch a bunch tomorrow you might not but still since you caught them like that today you know that's you, if you had a tournament this weekend then stick with it you know stick with what you know not what somebody told you mm-hmm. absolutely so i would say that just about wraps it up so tom thank you so much for your time your expertise it's it's been a lot of fun yeah, so no. I'm excited to go into this fish fest tent and uh, and see all the see all the deals they got going on. I so. know I'm gonna go check out see see all the new Garmin stuff. You know. Yep. There you go. That that Live Scope Plus. Yep. It is. It's pretty awesome. I was just out at uh, it was Shields Fishing University. It's a training event for our associates and got to see it side by side versus the the traditional and like I was pitching a oh man a pretty small jig like quarter ounce yep. jig with a three inch four inch minnow and i could see it at like 55 feet yes and like right. i could see it plain as day so it's it's pretty wild what they can do now it is and and i haven't had like i said time to dial that in on on a lake yet uh but i do have the lvs 34 on and for the last two events but what i can tell you exactly what you said i can see my 10 pound test braid down in 25 feet of water Mm-hmm. With a, with a new transducer, so you know it's sensitive. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks again, Tom. Yeah, you no know, problem. best of luck this year on the tournament trail. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You just heard from professional walleye angler Tom Wynn, along with a few special guests from our segment captured live at the Fargo Shields Fish Fest. If you ever have an opportunity to attend one of these events, be it Fish Fest or Ice Fest or Hunt Fest, make sure to check them out. We have a ton of great deals going on and usually have seminars to learn and ask questions. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.